welcome to Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal. Along with my co-host, Chris Kay, we discuss and dissect the songs, albums, and bands of the music we are most passionate about, heavy metal. So sit back, relax, turn it up to 11, and let the debate begin. Welcome back. It's episode 28, and this week we're going all the way to the Nordic Kingdom of Sweden for The Haunted, Peter Dolving versus Marco Aro. This is going to be a little bit different than usual because I recently began listening to The Haunted, and while I'm enjoying what I'm listening to, I still haven't really found which version I prefer, Peter's or Marco's. I, on the other hand, have been a fan of The Haunted from the beginning. I picked up their first album in 1998, and I've been with them through all the highs and lows. Along with our debate, Kenneth has some new rusty metal, and I've got another online pick of the week for you. We're also picking the best of the best with another Big Four with our Big Four songs by The Haunted. Last week, we picked our Big Four Pantera songs, so be sure to go to our Instagram at Debating Metal and leave a comment about your Big Four Pantera songs. All right, but before we begin, let's review episode 27. Last week, we debated Pantera's second and third albums, Vulgar Display of Power versus Far Beyond Driven. To hear all about it, just click on the subscribe button or download and follow us on any of the major podcast platforms like Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. And please don't forget to rate us or leave a review. We also want to read your opinions on these and any of our other topics. So if you agree with us or just want to rip us a new one, Send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com or message us on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. Now it's time for Rusty Metal. Kenneth, what's your pick of the week? Oh, my pick of the week this week is... Ready? Drum roll. Hearing Aid by Hearing Aid. <laughs> <laughs> I, told okay. you, I told you you inspired it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I listened to it because you made some comment about it because uh, Don Dawkin mentioned Oh, yeah, that's right. Don, we were reading Blabbermouth, and Don Dawkin mentioned something about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder where he pulled that one out of. Anyway. I don't know where he pulls most of the things he says lately out of. So. <laughs> he was I'm pretty talking- sure it's an orifice on the bottom. <laughs> All right. Here in Aid, the album Here in Aid, was released in 1986 on Mercury Polygram Records, so... On May 20th and 21st, 1985, 40 artists from the hard rock community gathered at A&M Records Studios to participate in the making of the record called Stars as part of a very special project known as Hearing Aid. The Stars single, coupled with the full-length album, a video documentary on the making of the record, and other ancillary products, raised money for famine relief efforts in Africa and all around the world. Some of the artists included Ronnie James Dio, who spearheaded the project, his Dio bandmates Vivian Campbell, Jimmy Bain, Vinnie Appice, and Claude Schnell. And it also included artists such as Rob Halford, Kevin Dubrow, Frankie Benali, Carlos Cavasso, Vince Neal, Mick Mars, Dave Murray, Adrian Smith, Neil Sean, Brad Gillis, Jeff Tate, Blackie Lawless, Chris Holmes, Eddie Ojeda. And I say Eddie Ojeda because that's the way D. Snyder pronounces it, but it really should be Eddie Ojeda. Don Dockin, George Lynch, Mick Brown, Paul Shortino, Dave Minichetti, Rudy Sarzo, Tommy Aldridge, Craig Goldie, Ingve Malmsteen, and many more, including the two dudes from Spinal Tap. Or was it three? It was only two of them. It, it was, was only- uh, Michael McKeon and Harry Shearer. Nigel Tufnell was not there. 
<laughs> so anyway, you can see the video and uh, documentary on YouTube, but the record's been out of print for some time. So if you want to look for it, you probably can find it on eBay or something like that. Now, the album itself has a bunch of tracks that were donated by the bands. I mean, the Jimi Hendrix Estate donated the song for the album. Kiss donated a song from the album. I think Motorhead and Rush also donated a song, a track to the album. So it, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's a cool little mixture, you know, various artists and stuff like that. The song stars, while long, because of all the guitar solos and the vocals that have to be recorded, it's a pretty cool song. It's not a bad tune. Written by Ronnie James Dio and, and I believe Vivian Campbell and Jimmy Bain. So it's pretty neat. Check it out if you can. Watch the video. Uh, I know you had mentioned you watched it because of Dokken. It got me inspired to watch it today. It's a pretty cool tune. Yeah, so it, you know it's it's one of these things where you're never going to see that again with all these guys. A lot of names might not be recognizable, but at that time in 1986, they were pretty popular. So check it out when you can. Yeah, I mean it, it has a fair amount of cheese to it, but in a good way. I I enjoyed it. I thought I thought it was a fun song. It was nice to see all those guys together. I mean, there's there's people um, that were not really necessarily featured in it that uh, still sang background vocals, and it was cool to see all those guys together. So, yeah, check it out. So uh, what's your online pick of the week this week? All right, so I picked a YouTube artist who I've been watching for a very long time. Uh, his name on YouTube is 331E-Rock, uh, but his real name is Eric Calderon. He is a guy that... Uh, I think you'll really relate to and, and follow me with this. All right. So he was born in New York and raised in Florida, which I know you've lived both of those places. Uh, yes, I have started playing at 16, eventually ended up uh, going to the Berkeley college of music in Boston and uh, learned to play guitar by studying enter Sandman by Metallica. That was the first song he learned to play. So I feel like you you have a little bit of a kindred spirit from just the beginning. There you go. I like it already. All right. So what he does is he covers all kinds of songs that you would not expect and turns them into metal songs. Now, some of that is definitely, it makes sense, because old video game music like Nintendo, Super Nintendo, a lot of that stuff, like Genesis especially, um, those were like metal songs that were just transposed into MIDI style music. That makes sense. But his metal versions of, of video game music are amazing. Now, on the other side, he goes and finds songs like one of his, his biggest videos on YouTube is Bad Romance by Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. He turned that into a metal song. Oh, interesting. So he, he's done the song from Frozen. The Let It Go, not oh. not the uh, Def Leppard Let It Go, but the Frozen Let It Go. <laughs> He's done, like I said, Bad Romance by Lady Gaga. He did the themes from Game of Thrones, Star Wars, Super Mario, Castlevania. Even did a, a cover of Fresh Prince, and I I just everything that this guy puts out, and he's got he's got a real you know, fun personality. Every time he starts a video, he winks at the camera and it's just something he's always done. So he's a likable guy. I've enjoyed watching his videos all these years. I've been watching him for, I want to say about 10 years. So, uh, 
once again, 331 E-Rock, Eric Calderon. Check it out on YouTube. Oh, that's cool. I would definitely check it out. Hey, didn't the guy from Beast in Black, Yanis Papadopoulos, do Let It Go? Yes, he did. He did a cover of, of, of Let It Go, and it's fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty but wild. His, his is a vocal version. <clears throat> right. Oh, that's right. And this is a metal guitar version. That mm-hmm. must be interesting, too. I got to check that out. All right, cool. Well, this week's topic is The Haunted, Peter Dolving versus Marco Aro. But it's going to not necessarily be a full-blown head-to-head type of thing because I'm still learning about The Haunted. So there's things I like about both eras. So I guess by the end of this, I'll probably make a decision as to which side I I go with while you beat me up with both sides because I know you like both sides. (laughs) So. I, I do. I, it's it's funny because a band has such varied styles over the course of their career. You know, they have two very distinct, different singers, and and some really out there albums. And they've got some some that you would think like fit with the Gothenburg kind of sound. So I mean, they they've had a really varied career, and I've I've stuck with them the whole time. Well, good for you. Just like me and Metallica. <laughs> no, I mean seriously. I mean, it, it's <clears throat> when you have a band that's as eclectic as as they are in terms of what they've done, they lose fans along the way. I mean, it, there's no doubt that they lost fans when they they and Peter Dolving went into their little alt metal stage. There's no doubt. But I bet you anything. Just like Metallica lost fans after after Kill 'Em All that when Peter Dolving left after the first album, they lost fans. You know, it's just one of those things. Oh, well, if, if, if Peter's not singing, I'm not listening. You know, it's just sort of like Paul Deano and Iron Maiden. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. So that that's the stupidity behind it. So f- since you're an expert on The Haunted, or better than me, why don't you go ahead and give a little background on how they started, because I do know that they are a band that started from the ashes of the demise of At The Gates. So you can go into detail about that and and a little bit about the beginning of their career. All right. So um, as you said, they kind of came out of the ashes of At The Gates. At The Gates was a huge band that started the Gothenburg sound. Um, They released, I believe it was four albums before they broke up and one EP. Uh, the two members that, that came over from At The Gates were uh, Anders and uh, Jonas Bjorler. So they they were looking for a new project. They, they met up with Jensen, who came over from, from The Witcher. They were trying to do something new and different. They had uh, Adrian Erlinson, who he's played with Cradle of Filth. Uh, I think a lot of people would know him from that band, Paradise Lost. And of course, the uh, he he actually plays with at the gates now. So they released their first album in 1998 after doing a, an initial demo, and it was met with pretty good reviews. Uh, it was on the Earache Records. Unfortunately, after the album was released, there were some disagreements with the the record company, and Peter Dolving and Adrian Erlinson ended up leaving the band. So. They had only released one album, and there was already huge upheaval with the band. 
Yeah, that's major. I mean, it, drummers typically are not a major issue, but they're, it, it, from what I gathered, I noticed there was a slight difference in style of drumming. From, oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the, the guy that followed him up, Param Jensen, has a very different sound, and it makes for a large change in their sound for sure. And not just the drumming, but it changes everything from the first album to the second album. Right, because there's also songwriting that goes into it, and he actually is an active songwriter with the band. Uh, right. You're talking about... Per? Um, Isn't he? Yeah. In, not really. No? I thought he was. Well, I mean... Well, so what, so this is this is what I know about the way that they wrote music because I watched a small documentary that was included with one of the albums. So they would Anders and and uh, Jensen and and Jonas would typically write the music, um, the background music. And when Peter was in the band, he was very involved with the lyrics and and a lot of that aspect early on. It changed more when he rejoined the band. He had much more of an influence there. But they would write the music, and then the, what they would lay down, the, the tracks that they would first lay down were the drum tracks. So he, Param Jensen did have an influence on the sound in that regard, but they would typically start writing music ahead of time, and then, and then you know, kind of, this is where we're going with the song, put, lay down the tracks. Cool. All right. Cool. So, um, but yeah, I mean, but he's still, he's still obviously the whole change in drummers was that definitely affected them. Yeah. There's, there's a chemistry with a band. And when, when you have like, say for instance, with kiss, you know, you have that, that, which was the album that had, uh, St. John on it. Mark St. John. That was animalize. Animalize. So the chemistry of animalize to me was not very strong strong in comparison to previous versions of the band and what would come after and you can you can tell that you can you can feel the vibe and i think both drummers fit with the band in this instance they really did you know that there's i i feel like every version of the band has has a strong chemistry but it is very different it do, it's it's very obvious that there's a change in the chemistry mm-hmm yeah so, for me, if I'm going to listen to this, I'm, I want to try and listen to this in order to kind of grasp the the uh, the way that they progressed. I don't typically do that, but I know that you do. So I wanted to try and and, and follow that because in in this particular instance, I kind of had to because we were trying to make a comparison, and then to find out that from one album to the next, first to second album, that they changed vocalists. Uh, and and drummers, it was kind of like okay, definitely have to go in this order because then they went back to the older vocalist and then they went back to the the newer vocalist. So it's kind of weird. The first album, The Haunted, to me, all right. So that's got Peter Dolving on vocals. My opinion of that album is that it's very, it's got a very punk style to it, drumming wise, singing wise riffing wise everything there's, there's a there's a punkness to it you know still obviously they're they're from sweden from gothenburg so they're still playing some version of melodic death metal but it's more punk to me in my opinion well and it's also thrash i mean there's definitely thrash see, elements in, I, in, the see, music. in the first album i don't get as much thrash as i do when you go to the haunted made me do it 
that one you could to me especially with the new drummer with per playing you can tell he's more adept at the thrash style of drumming than the other guy was well like songs like three times is is very thrashy to me. it is it is but i I'm, I'm looking at it as a whole but there are like i said there are elements that are you know like i said funky there are elements that are thrash because they are that that thing and that mm-hmm. that kind of band uh, in essence thrash came from you know the punk underground scene as well there's there, there's a, a combination of blending in there of that so that that's part of it too yeah so well the, I, the songs are kind of short too and that's that's definitely a hallmark of of punk as well right. is you know they keep the songs short and tight that's something they carried on through most of their career. There's not a lot of fluff. It's all just, you know, <laughs> definitely no fluff. <laughs> yeah. You know, my 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 um my thoughts on the on the the album The Haunted. Uh I like, well, it's funny. You you as soon as you slap it on, as soon as you press play, as soon as you click whatever you want to do, the hate song is the first song you hear. And in general, that would be the first song that the public heard if they hadn't heard uh if they hadn't heard of the haunted up at that point you know if their little circle of europe they did probably hear about it that there was this new band they probably heard the demos but in general this is the unsuspecting public the first thing that they hear is the hate song or excuse me hate song and it's uh it's pretty pretty in your face you know thrashy punk and it, it just tells you right then and there <laughs> this is who we are and this is what we're going to be although oddly enough in vain a little bit later on in the album that is a pretty cool song it's one of those songs where it's like you have this big punky thrash intro whatever it is and then it kind of changes when it gets to the chorus and there's actually a, a nice hook to the chorus it's got some catchy catchiness to it you got some background vocals some gang background vocals with, with the whole band singing and to me, I, I I almost wanted more of that. I didn't get it. I wanted more of that style, and it it was like, man, this is really cool. And then it, that wasn't what it was all about. So that's almost like a an anomaly for them. Well, yeah, the the songs and that one was written written mostly by Jonas, and the songs written by Jonas they have that kind of influence in the style of writing. I mean, he was he's the, the bassist of that band, so he has a little bit different perspective on how he writes music. And the, the other one that he wrote was uh, Chokehold, which he wasn't the primary writer on Chokehold, but you can still hear that influence in that track. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. I That's my... In Vain is my favorite track on that album. Um, I've always really liked that track. I like the aggressive tone of this album. I mean, it doesn't back down. The only song that has a little bit slower pace is the final track, which is Forensic. And that's that's a little bit different vibe than the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. But, but overall, I think it's a pretty hard-hitting album. I was a big fan when it first came out. I was very shocked when I picked up the second album and I put it in and I had not like the internet wasn't as big back then. You, I mean, right. we had access to it, but we were on, you know, Netscape navigator and dial up, dial up, you know? So 
I did, it did all this information wasn't at your fingertips. There wasn't blabbermouth and all these websites. You could find the information maybe on their personal website, but I wasn't looking back then. Mm-hmm. So I put in the second album. I didn't even look at the back. I just put the album in, you know, excited to buy it. And it was a different singer. And I was I was scratching my head for a bit. I'm like, what 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 is going on? Yeah, it, and it, it makes a significant difference. And it's weird because basically they have a different singer. Marco Aro joins the band as vocalist. And, you know, you get a different drummer. And instantaneously you can tell that the drummer, it's, he's a thrash drummer. Just by the by the patterns that he's playing. It's pure thrash drumming, which is cool. I like it. And then Marco, he is not a punk singer whatsoever. He's not a thrash singer either. He is a death metal, melodic death metal singer. Mm-hmm. So there's a big difference. So it, it, there's a change, a dramatic change in the style of music from one album to the next. Not, not enough to sit there and say, okay, they're completely a wholesale, completely different band, but yet... There's enough to sit there and say, this is definitely different. So they definitely transitioned away from the the punky thrash to more thrashy melodic death metal, especially with the vocals. The album to me is good. It's kind of weird. It's a, it's a progression at the same time, even though it's you know it's a different style. It's a progression. It's a little more mature than the than the last the the previous one, the de- the debut album. And there's some, you know, there's some things I like about it that are because there it is that different. I like the the intro song, "Dark Intentions," is pretty cool. And then you get immediately with Leech, you get a, a very death metal sounding song during the verses, and then you get the whole song to me almost gives a vibe of more traditional death metal than melodic death metal. But it's it you know it's in there in both ways, but it's definitely a death metal thing. Well, I, you were you intending to skip ahead to Leech from Dark Intentions? Yeah, because I, I skipped a couple songs. Yeah, sorry. Oh, okay, gotcha. So yeah, um, I I feel like this is an extremely cohesive album. What I what I like about it is that it's not a concept album, but it definitely has a theme. It definitely has a vibe. And all the songs fit together really well. It's also paced really well. It does not slow down per se. It has its ebbs and flows, but it stays in a constant state of of pushing you to the end. And from beginning from Dark Intentions to Victim Iced, they say it's not a a, uh, concept album. But to me, when I listen to it, I think of it as a journey, you know, from, from the basically like the like it says dark intentions from a, from a concept of wh- I'm going to do something bad to he, you've just you've just killed someone or 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 accomplished a, an evil goal or something like that i mean it has it has a, some really interesting lyrics it has like i said a really consistent tone and i i just loved this album when it came out even though i was a big fan of the first one and i liked dolving's uh approach to what they what he did with the haunted when this one came out this was so heavy in comparison and 
it was just I there's not a song on the album that I don't like. Well, that's good. I mean, the the album thematically is all about killing and serial killers and and that kind of thing. I mean, they put it on the on the on the cover. They mm-hmm. put they put pictures of serial killers on there and and you know, with, obviously with dark intentions, you, uh, there's there's a thought process behind that title. And then you go all the way to victimized. Yes. So so thematically, it definitely ties together every song. I like songs like Leech. Uh, I like songs like The World Burns. But what I like about that song is it's got the main riff and the drumming really fast and frenetic. But it's rhythmic enough for me that it keeps my attention until it gets to the chorus, where the riff becomes more catchy, and then that's when it, the song hooks me in right at the chorus. So, and then I at at about the I guess three quarters, maybe two thirds of the way into the song, uh, they have this little breakdown, and I like that part of the song too. And then towards the end, there's a riff that's very reminiscent to Orion from Metallica. Listen to that song again, and I think you'll see what I'm talking about. And then I also like uh, Under the Surface. Very cool rhythm. You know, right before the verse, and then it kind of comes in at the end of the verse or towards the the latter part of the verse. Uh, That rhythm comes in again, and the chorus is different. It's a totally different style for the, the Haunted... And so it makes the whole song unique and pretty cool. Yeah, I I absolutely love this album. It's one of, if not, well, it's I wouldn't say it's my favorite. My favorite's coming pretty soon, um, <laughs> but it's it is probably number two for me. There you go. That's that, it's fair enough. <laughs> All right, so we're moving on to number three, which is One Kill Wonder. Little bit different than the previous album, but still the next kind of phase the next it to me it feels like the next step the next logical conclusion from where they started they're 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 going in a path and it still makes sense at this point to me a little bit darker in tone overall it's kind of more focused on one concept of a little bit more graphic vocals i guess you know the or, or lyrics you're following a killer that uh, is trying to be mainstream and not necessarily making that happen. The The title's kind of tongue-in-cheek in that way. Mm-hmm. I remember picking this album up and <laughs> the thing, because it's got a picture of a, of a, what appears to be a dead body wrapped in a sheet. And I remember picking this up and being like, you know what? There's no way I can let my mom see this this <laughs> album cover. <laughs> I mean, this was 2003, so I was still in high school. Oof. <laughs> Make me feel old, why don't you? Yeah. I, I listened to it today, another Marco Aro album. And the thing I got the most out of it, there's a lot on this album that reminds me of Slayer and Rain and Blood. A ton of stuff on this album reminds me of that. I, I can totally agree with that. Especially God Puppet. I don't, and what's funny, I don't think it's derivative, but, mm. it's, but it's definitely influenced by. Right. I mean, you're, it, it, so the way I looked at it is, you know, there's a lot of things that remind Because when you think about how different Rain and Blood is from Hello Waits and the progression. And, I mean, Hello Waits, there's speed to it, but nothing like Rain and Blood. 
Okay, and Rain and Blood is about as fast as Slayer can play, and then they come back after after that, and they come out with South of Heaven, and they slow things down. Mm-hmm. So Rain and Blood stands out by itself because it just it's so fast. There's and and then the, the style of Lombardo's drumming makes that very unique. So there's a lot of that to me in One Kill Wonder. And what's funny is, even though it's not the same style of music. The song "God Puppet" is a melodic death metal song sung by Slayer. That's the way. That's the way it sounds to me in my head. I can see that. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. And then, the one thing you're not going to like about what I'm going to say and criticize here, or not necessarily criticize, but critique, DOA. So you like that song, right? I yeah, I like DOA. Okay, my interpretation of that song, what I hear when I hear that song, there's. There's a metalcore thing in that song in which I'm surprised you like it because there is. But what keeps it from being a full-blown metalcore song is the drumming doesn't go along with your typical metalcore. The guitar work, to me, does. But the drumming keeps it from being a metalcore song. Because and that's, the, that's the biggest difference. Right. And and that's that's probably why I like it. And I I've I've made the same same observation because I there are similarities to metalcore. It's better than metalcore, first of all. Because <laughs> I know you don't like metalcore. I don't. But it has see it's they're not exactly matching. There there are the beat. There is the part. With uh, you know the da 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 da, you know, right. but but after that they change a lot of what's going on, and his drumming is what sets it apart, right? Because exactly. he's still being very unique to what everyone else is 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 playing rhythmically. Right, his drums rhythmic. are not going along <laughs> with the with the with the guitar patterns. Yeah, so I I do really like that song, and it's just very heavy. It's, it has a lot of attack. It's it might be my favorite album, or I mean my favorite song on that album, but I like most of the tracks on here. There's a couple that kind of they're they're there and I don't skip them, but at the same time that I don't feel like it's as good of an album as made me do it. But it's also one of those that I can listen to the whole thing and not skip a track. There you go. That's cool. So then comes some more upheaval. <laughs> They come out with Revolver, um, and they specifically spell it, or not spell it, but they specifically print it in a way where the two R's are lowercase, and the rest of the word, Evolve, is in capital letters. And part of the reason why they did that was because Peter Dolving returned to vocals, and it shows. (laughs) Again... Just like it showed when Marco joined the band and there was a complete change in vocal styles, we're now going back to the original first album style of vocals. But the band themselves have already matured past that. So there's that. So you have to combine this punky thrash style of vocals with the more mature style of songwriting that the band has come up with to this point. And to me, from everything I've heard, I would put this to to me, in my opinion, as their best album. I 100% agree. Um, it, it's my favorite album by The Haunted, which 
surprised me at the time because I had gotten used to Marco's vocals with the band and I really liked how heavy everything was. But when this came out, there was, there was experimentation and to me, everything was successful. And I, I think most reviewers agreed. It, there's some clean singing, but it's it makes sense with everything that that's going on. But there's there's so much more experimentation with the concepts, like abysmal. Abysmal starts with a, a, a very light tone. You know, uh, it's it's telling a story, but it's very dark. And then it just erupts into this slow plodding, really heavy track that i mean and every every word is is understandable and you're in you're you're getting a little bit of poetry in with with uh these concepts but in a good way i love this album yeah that, like i said after listening to all this this definitely stands out to me as, the, as their best album which is strange because of the way it, it, it evolved and becoming you know with with peter dolvin coming back you wouldn't expect it to be that. But like I said, the maturity of the band and then the, the fact that Peter was willing to be experimental. And I, and I think part of that too, is that he's the one who led the band to be more experimental. Mm -hmm. Um, this album, there was part parts of it, the experimental parts, although they weren't dramatic and overwhelmed the whole entirety of the album, it was a signal of things to come in the future. But it's always good to, uh, you know, like they said, it's evolve. They did that, and that was that's really, really shown through. And there's some really cool shit on this album, like you said about abysmal. You know, my notes here say, you know, real heavy track. I like the spoken word intro. Now, here's the funny thing I get about this. I was reading the lyrics to abysmal, and I don't, you know, you were talking about poetry. All right, so when you when you sit there and you you, you read something like that. You say to yourself, is what this person is singing about or what this person is speaking about or, or reciting, is this from his point of view or is this a particular person's point of view or is this something altogether different in terms of a point of view? And I look at it and I say, you know what, this is not from the point of view or in my opinion. You know, and everybody's opinion is different and, and everything affects people differently. My opinion in this song is that this is not a human that is talking or speaking during this song. The thought process to me is some sort of animal or insect or bug. It's really weird to think that. I mean, I, the first thing I thought of was worms. But then there's something in it that kind of gives it away to me that it might be more of an animal. It's very strange. I mean, it's, it's about something being buried. Is it in the ground? You know, there's part of it going down the hatch. That means it's, you know, in a throat somewhere. Whose throat? Animal's throat? Is it, you know, is it getting eaten? It's really weird. I, I really like this song in that regards because I, I, I deep dove into this one song. There's actually two songs I read the lyrics to. I deep dove into those two songs. I don't know what made me pick those two songs to read the lyrics on, but Abysmal is one of them. And it was like, man, there's a lot of shit going on in here. <laughs> hmm. So I, that's a completely different interpretation than I've always thought of it. But yeah, um, that's, that's it always interesting to me that, like you said, music affects people in different ways. Mm -hmm. And if that's the way you construe it, then I, 
I, I can't argue with that. Yeah, I mean, when you when you look at the surface of the words, you sit there and say, I mean, to me, it's like someone dying and getting buried or something like that or some sort of ritual. It's really weird. But then I look deeper and it's like, is this about a human or not? So it's weird. You know, that was what I came up with. Now, the other well, I song. Mean, at the, at the, at, by that extension, people might view a killer as somebody that's not human. True. And those same thoughts can be applied to an animal. I mean, we, we, we might call somebody that's, that's hunting someone down and uh, a, a somebody that's not human. So there are there are tons of ways that you can construe this music, and that's why I like Dolving's lyrics. Is that he has a little bit more um, depth depth to what he's writing. Yeah, that's what I noticed too. Now the other song that I that I picked up the the words to was "All Against All." I like that song. It's got a catchy main rhythm and a chorus. Uh, the uh, catchy chorus so that's what attracted me to the song so then I, I read the lyrics about that and and i was like man this is this is messed up and <laughs> and, and, and i mean I, I guess if you read all the lyrics and it's gonna you're gonna get the same impression so but what i came across what i came out of with that was this was a very volatile relationship for for the two people that are in this song and Somewhere along the way, it goes bad. That's that's what I got out of it, you know. <laughs> but you can get a lot of stuff out of their songs because of their thematic, you know, their themes that are in their songs. So that's what I yeah. got out of that one. I mean, they're very aggressive songs, but I I feel like you can relate to a lot of the things that are said. I mean, in in a lot of ways, like like you said, a volatile relationship. I totally can see that. When I was when I was in college, and I dealt with this yeah volatile relationship i you know could i enjoyed listening to music like this because it was an outlet in the you know in the car on the ride just trying to process everything that's going on i think that's one thing that's so great about music is that it allows you this outlet of all your feelings you can kind of channel i mean if you like to sing along or drum along or you know whatever it it allows you to kind of release tension etc that music is so great for this album has so many concepts that are going on that interweave and and allow you to think that i i mean i i actually wrote a paper on this album when i was in college and it might i think it struck my my professor so oddly that i that i wrote about this but I ended up getting a, a really great grade on it. And I remember one of the, the students in my class was just, she was like, I don't listen to this kind of music. But what you said about it, there's so much depth there. It's, it's, it's incredible. You know, that's, that's what I love about music is when you, you have so many ways to analyze it, when you have so much you can, you can relate to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's when you were mentioning something about you going through a volatile relationship and that song being of the same topic, that's how you were able to relate to that song. And that's why that attracted you more because he's like, yeah, this guy's going through the same thing I'm going through. You know, mm -hmm. he feels my pain. <laughs> so <laughs> another good song on that album is 99. Um, and this happens to be 
The Haunted's most popular song on Spotify. <laughs> so um, it's their number one downloaded song or stream song, however you want to look at it. It's got a really killer groove and a very cool harmonic guitar solo in it. That album, like I said, you know, there's something about it that attracted me to those songs and made me concentrate more on that album than anything else. And so <clears throat> definitely probably my favorite album from the band. Yeah, it, what's what's interesting to me is if you think about it in, in a couple ways, you think of this as the second Dolving album. So Skip made me do it, Skip One Kill Wonder. It feels like the next progression from that first album. It's much more mature, but at the same time, you get you get elements of like say in vain which you brought up um you get that from the it from this album as well yes so th- there are there are certain things that that cross over and it does feel like a logical con- uh, progression from that first album but at the same time if you do include the the previous two albums it also feels like a logical pr- progression straight from one kill wonder so it it hits all the points in so many facets i get why if you're only into the death metal growls, you might not enjoy this album. But I, I really like what Dolving brings to the band. Oh, yeah. He he brings the more melodic side to things. The the hooks, the choruses, the catchiness. He's bringing that with him vocally. And, it, and it's kind of inspiring his bandmates to write that kind of music and, and to write those kinds of choruses to, to basically hook you in. And so, yeah, it it was definitely a step up. So from there, from from after Revolver, the band goes into Deadeye uh, a couple years later. And what I noticed about that when I was listening to it today, you know, all the songs have the, the word the at the beginning. And the first thing I thought of is this has got to be some sort of concept album. And I started looking, trying to figure it out if it was or wasn't. But again, the band has always done these thematic albums, so it may not necessarily be totally a concept album, but it's definitely themed so that it all runs together. It has I, to. I think that's probably more accurate. It's it's very themed, and it D- Dolving did all of the lyrics on this album. So it's it's a little bit different than every previous album in that there's always been kind of a joint effort in the writing process in that way. But this is really heavily Anders, and this is really heavily... Uh, Peter right so what I get from this album is to me it comes across as a concept album there is a ton of experimentation on this album Mm -hmm. there is a an enormous amount of straying away from the core if you want to put it that way and so it's 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 not your typical the haunted album and neither Jensen had any songwriting credits on this album so patrick jensen nor primrola jensen had any any songwriting credits and that's a huge change that is a huge change and that that may be why it was so different um i mean not may it is definitely the reason why this is so different it's hard to really say you know grasp what the deal is with this album because of all the experimentation but you and I were having this conversation today. This is the fifth album by the band, right? And they totally decided, you know, we've gotten to this point. We just released 
what probably would be considered our best album. Let's be able to let's expand the horizon some more. And I think they just went a little bit too far down the mountain <laughs> on the other side for for most of the band the band's core base to to really accept. And for some bands it works, some bands it doesn't. I think for them it didn't kill them obviously because they're still around today. So it it, it wasn't one of these things which a complete turn off because it, it it probably gathered them a, or a bunch of new fans because it's the music wasn't horrible, but it was so different that it was just like wait a second, if I'm a core fan, do I like this or do not like it? You know, there's some like I said, there's some people that that stopped listening to the haunted after after Peter Dalvin left the first time. Yeah, and I I don't think this is a bad album. Uh, I I listened to it a lot back then. There are certain songs like I really like the flood. I really like the fallout. There's there's a lot of elements in here that I really enjoy. I it's a it's a cohesive album for sure. It's just it's it's very different than the last few albums, and especially after Revolver. Um, but it makes sense to me in in that Revolver was experimental from the previous two albums, so it made sense to me when this came out, and I I, I enjoyed it a lot. I I told you earlier that I actually used in a in a school animation i used one of the tracks i never released it online or anything like that it was just for school purposes but i used the in- instrumental track the guilt trip at the end for an animation and i had listened to that track so many times while working on it that i i, I can't even listen to it anymore but but overall i mean i i enjoyed it enough that i used it for a, a school animation yeah i mean I didn't mean to put the album down because, like I said, it wasn't a, a terrible album, but it was such a departure. But as I said earlier when we were talking about Revolver, there was hints that something like this was coming, mm-hmm. and and they went full bore. They, they I mean, they went for it. And this, this is what I wrote down. In the end, it's an experimental album that seemed to cause a lot of backlash among the core fan base, much in the vein of Metallica you think about this was their fifth album right what was metallica's fifth album the black album yeah. complete departure from and justice for all and everything that came before it you know they had reached the pinnacle of thrash with and justice for all ending with the song dyer's eve then they they, they did a complete 180 and they said we're now going to groove more enter sandman sabbath true you know wherever i may roam so, this is not necessarily the Haunted's Black Album by any means. <laughs> it didn't lead them to bigger and greater things and made them the best, you know, European death metal band. But it it did open up the channels for for more people to see them in a different light. That's for sure. That's what yeah, I get out of that. Yeah, I mean, let's just be honest. It's it's not their best album. It's it. But but to me, it's the same kind of thing as uh, as I've spoken about with Nostradamus. The band reaches a point sometimes where they just need to do something, need to do something different. And I don't really know why uh, Jensen wasn't really involved with the songwriting in this particular album. But when, when they recorded the next one, which is Versus, which is two years later, he was back involved with the, the, the songwriting process. And Versus sounds a lot more like revolver 
So it's a return to more aggressive sound. It's less experimental, um, but it still has some experimental elements like Revolver did, but it's not so uh, over the top in that way. Right. I am not, I'm going to be honest, I, I didn't listen to this album. I don't know how it was that I missed it. I guess I, I was trying to... You said you listened to Moronic Colossus. And yeah, Little you K know what? I did. That's right. Oh, oh, about a week ago when we first started talking about this, I did listen to it early on, but I forgot because I didn't oh, get a okay. chance to write this stuff down. I did listen to Moronic Colossus. I, I remember us talking about that. All right, so verse, like I said, Versus is more of a return to what they were doing before. I like this album a lot. I don't think it's by any means their their best or, you know, a true follow up to to a Revolver. But at the same time, it's got some really great tracks like Moronic Colossus, uh, Little Cage, Trenches. I like Fault Line a lot too. I mean. Th- it's it's pretty good overall. I can listen to the whole album the the whole way through and not skip a track again. That's something I couldn't necessarily say for the Dead Eye, but this one to me it's it doesn't stand out as as a great album, but it's a good album. Yeah, I mean from what I remember, it, it's it was definitely you know more along the lines of stuff, the faster stuff in Revolver than it was on the Dead Eye. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that was that was cool that I was able to get my hands on uh, was the the Japanese version of the album, and which is kind of what I I ended up doing a lot of times with with these European releases. I would seek out the Japanese release because there was always bonus tracks. On the Japanese release, they actually released five bonus tracks, and there was even more that you could get through iTunes. I mean, there was a ton of songs here. I mean, not all the bonus tracks are great. They're good. But just having that much more extra content was really cool. Uh, I, I, I like this album a lot. I think it's one that gets overlooked because it's between two of their weakest albums. And uh, I, I want to say this one was followed up by the live album Roadkill. And Roadkill, to me, was fantastic. It was, it was a compilation of everything they had done there was there was tracks from the marco years there was tracks from the dolving years uh but it was peter singing those those songs so i really enjoyed that one but then the next year we go into unseen and i'm just curious what are your thoughts on unseen i wish i can unhear it (laughs) (laughs) um basically this is what i wrote down alternative metal album in the vein of Breaking Benjamin or Chevelle. There's a lot of it that sounds like Breaking Benjamin to me. I don't know if this was an influence of trying to get more popular and get on the radio or something like that or, or trying to break into America, but it was not pleasant. It Well, let me put it this way. It wasn't bad when you, when you compare it to an alternative metal album, but it's not the haunted that's the problem well let me let me actually make a comment based on what you just said so i listened to this for the first time since probably the year that this came out today and i listened to this album twice today and i really thought about it objectively and i and i was thinking you know what this is not a bad album it's really not a bad album 
but it is not a haunted album. Right. That that's exactly what I just said. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's not. I mean, I I could get into a few of the tracks. Like I listened to the skull, and I I actually enjoyed that one. But I I was thinking of it like this should have been a side project. This should have been something else than what it was. And I I this was the end of of Peter's time with the band. And when he he went on to do his following projects like I Am Fire, there's some similarities to this, and I cannot get into this stuff, which disappoints me because I've always liked his vocals. I just have not been able to get into any of his side projects. But I can see that he was wanting to branch out and do something different than what The Haunted was doing, and I can respect that, and I understand that sometimes those changes need to happen. So... This album, again, like I said, it's not a bad album. If you like Tool, if you like, well, you said Breaking Benjamin, there's there's similarities to those uh, bands. But if you're expecting a Haunted album out of this, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Yes. And, and it's weird because, like you, you say, both of us said, it's a good album. But it's not a haunt, or it's not a the haunted album, mm-hmm. and and that's an, that's the unfortunate part. Yeah, maybe it should have come across as a Peter Dolving solo album, which is funny though, because since Peter was so involved with the Dead Eye, that almost would I could almost see that being more of a of a Peter Dolving solo album. Mm-hmm. Um, but this and and this is kind of like an extension of that. It it, it gets more away from the core. Although to me the Dead Eye uh, is more experimental in comparison mm-hmm. to this one, which this one has a definitive style to it. This is definitively an alternative metal album. It is not a straight up heavy metal album. It is not a death a melodic death metal album. It's not a death metal album by any means. It's not even a punky thrash album. <laughs> I mean, they're they're like the skull has the second portion of the song has death metal elements he sings with the death metal growl more so than in other in any of the other tracks catch 22 i can see you know hints but like yeah like you're saying it's it's not this one also has a couple songs that dolving actually wrote the music to and he did all the lyrics again on this track on this album and it's it's just so so off-putting if you're a fan. And I think that's why my reaction was so negative the first time I listened to this. And I tried. I gave this multiple chances. But especially back then when, when I was a little bit less open to different types of music, I, I just could not get into this. And today I probably enjoyed it a lot more than I did nine years ago when it came out. But... It's still not my thing per se. Right, exactly. I mean, it aged it, it aged differently for you than it would for some other people. And mm-hmm. that's cool. So moving on past this, we get to the next album, which there's a break. There's like a three-year break in between. Yeah, there was some definite upheaval. I mean, Peter left the band. Primoler Jensen left the band. Even Anders, the the guitarist and brother of Jonas, left the band. And through all these changes, before uh, um, before 
Permolar and and Anders left the band. They were trying to reach out online, you know, send in tapes. We want to hear you do versions of a couple songs, and and things were just not working out, and the band almost completely broke up. Yeah, and and if you look at the way you know, like how Wikipedia puts the the band members graph on the on their page, the band was not active for a good portion of a, of a year, mm-hmm. uh, especially most of 2013. The end of 2012 and most of, of the first half of 2013, they were inactive. The only two members in the band were, were Patrick Jensen and Jonas. You know, so but they 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 vowed to keep the band going. They were able to get Marco back in the band, and they, and then they brought in Ola in on, uh, England to to play guitar, and they they got their old drummer back, Adrian. So it, you know, it's just one of these weird things. A very small knit group of people <laughs> in this mm-hmm. in this band. So my interpretation of this next bit, the album that comes out, which is Exit Wounds, comes out in 2014. They 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 reform essentially. And they have a song. Let me let me make sure I got the the right song here. Yes, they have their typical instrumental song at the beginning, about a minute to a minute and a half, and then they come up with their first vocal song. All I can sit there and say about the the first song, it's called "Cutting Teeth." I put down "Welcome Back." <laughs> Cutting Teeth is awesome. <laughs> so that basically reintroduced the band back to their core fans and said, Hey, Hey, we're, we're here again, <laughs> you know, yeah, and we're, we're still a death metal album. Exactly. I mean, death metal band. <laughs> exactly. You know, they definitely said we, we missed the old style. We're going to play it again. However, they did not leave all of the experimentation behind, or they didn't leave all of the, the, the different things that they've learned over the years behind. One song that stood out to me, which seemed really different, I might be wrong, I might, you know, there may be something else along their catalog that's similar, but the song, All I Have, (laughs) I wrote down, I said, is The Haunted singing blues? Because it almost comes across like a blues song. It does have blues elements, for sure. Yeah. So... That was uh, that. That's what I was like. Is this is this the haunted singing blues? <laughs> so it was. <laughs> it was pretty cool. I like the song. It's, it's actually a pretty pretty cool song. So I don't have anything else to say about the album because <laughs> I had limited time to listen. But from what I gathered, from what I heard of it, it was a pretty cool song. I love the album cover. It's a pretty neat album cover. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a play on what they did with, with Revolver. There's a character they kind of introduced, and and I've never seen a character name or anything like that. But it's it's been affiliated with some of the the album artwork. Uh, it's a guy that's all black in a in a suit. You can just see the white that's highlighting the the collar of the suit, and just a, a smile or fangs or you know just a, just the mouth, the teeth you can see. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a pretty cool graphic. Like I said, it's been affiliated with with a few of the albums. If you look inside the album art, and I I liked that it was still kind of incorporating these elements from all aspects of the band. To me, this was the better of the 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 
two albums that have come out since uh, Marco's return to the band. His vocals are very strong on this album. It was a return to form, and it kind of like I said with uh, with Revolver, this feels like a, a follow up to One Kill Wonder in a way. Right. Um, it does not feel like a follow up to Unseen, but you can see the progression and like you said there's elements from like they didn't forget what they were doing before right so one thing i like about this too is is this i know this one was more of a band effort everyone was involved with the writing process again so it wasn't so focused on one or two members of the band and this this uh i i really enjoyed it and i think ola uh i follow him on youtube uh he he has a a a company that makes guitars he's been uh involved in social media for a long time and and he's a he's a pretty funny guy i think his contribution to what he does with the band has been pretty great uh he he has a lot of chemistry with uh jensen and the way they play music so it was uh, it was a nice kind of injection of of uh the not not youth but not in the, in the same way that happened to Judas Priest, but but a new perspective, I guess. Right. So I I enjoyed this one. Strength in Numbers has been is the newest album. It came out in se- 2017. I I just don't find much here that I really like. It's a lot like a lot of other bands that when they've gotten to this far into their career, they're just kind of releasing music that there are some good elements and they're it's just not very memorable i've probably not given this a huge amount of chances i listened to it back when it first came out a few times i listened to it leading up to us doing this episode and again i it's not a bad album it's not a good album it's just it's there. right there in the middle it's yeah. there um and that's the same thing i was going to say you know i listened to a little bit of it today and there was nothing that stood out to me to say, yeah, oh, this is this is cool. It wasn't bad, like you said. It wasn't great. So it was what I I guess I, I mentioned it to you. It was a, like a generic The Haunted album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so in, in review of all this, as I mentioned, Revolver is probably my favorite of all the stuff that I've heard. And that's a Peter Dolving record. If I'm going to listen to... If, if I'm going to sit there and say, oh, let me pick out a a Marco Aro album, I would almost have to say that uh, Exit Wounds would be the one I would want to listen to. Really? Yeah. I mean, I've got, you know, you've, you've got The Haunted Made Me Do It, which is, is good. But I think because of the progression and the, and the maturity that came with the band, the Exit Wounds album, to me, there's a little bit more dynamic to it or dynamics to it that i like better i can see that i mean my perspective is a bit different because i've been following them since the beginning right um and i have that attachment to them from the from the early early days so yeah if i'm going to pick a, a peter album definitely revolver i mean that's that's my favorite of theirs period and then if i'm going to pick a Mar- marco aro album it's got to be made me do it i just i love that album inside out i've listened to it so many times i probably wore the cd out the laser was shooting through the cd so <laughs> um I, I i will have to say this what i like about marco as a vocalist 
is that despite the fact that he's singing death metal or in a death metal growl, he's understandable. I, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that as a, as a, as someone listening to it. I want to be able to understand the words without having to to read the lyrics. Now, if I want to learn the lyrics, I got to read him. But just to be able to understand it without having to have it written in front of me, I like that part of it. And so that's a pretty cool thing because not everybody who distorts their vocals are easy to understand. And he, he's he's uh, he's pretty he's pretty simple in that regards. All right, so. Now that we've kind of narrowed down who, which ones we like, which albums we like the best, etc., well, why don't we talk about our big four songs? Now, what I'm really interested in about here is that I've been a fan of them for so long, I'm really interested to hear what your big four are. So why don't you start off? Okay, I'll do that. Um, so, my number four, and this is going to be a little bit different because... It's just a really cool track. I'm picking the instrumental Dark Intentions as my number four. I really like that track. Like I said, uh, at the beginning, it is very uh, Slayer-esque to me. But at the same time, there's a little bit of Testament in there. So I really enjoyed that minute and a half (laughs) with that song. So it is a strange big four. But if it's it's something that I'm going to listen to, I'll probably put it in my playlist just to have it come in and play. Um, you know what's funny is they actually went on when that album was out. They went on tour with Testament. Oh yeah, you know I read that today. So I did see that. So yeah, that that is funny. I I love that track. Uh, I remember when I was in high school, I was very into Metallica and Megadeth and bands like that. And uh, I showed this album to a friend of mine, and he heard that track, and he's like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" And then he he heard the second track, and he's like. I, I don't understand these lyrics. and <laughs> But he kept listening to that track over and over again and actually got him into the band. One thing I noticed about all these albums, these first tracks that they play, they, mm-hmm. they, they it's almost like they don't belong in the album. It, there's, the, to me, there's nothing that ties those first tracks into the rest of the album. <laughs> I think Dark Intentions flows pretty well into Barrier Dead. I mean, it it sets the tone. It's... But it's not as I, but it's not as fast, and then you know when Bury Your Dead speeds up, it's just to me there's nothing on any of the first songs that are as fast as the rest of the album. And no, and but but Privation and Faith Inc. I believe that's the one on the the second album. It sets the tone for like the dark kind of evil lyrics that are coming up. Like it's almost like watching a horror movie. <laughs> right. Okay. So my number three song is 99 i just like the song it's pretty cool awesome groove harmonic guitar solo and it's their most popular song so but it's only my number three song i have two more to go number two all against all it's it's a great song i mean i, no, I, it, I was very into that song in high school and i i listen to it on a regular basis now yeah i mean like i said you know that relationship song and and you know, it's, it's got a catchy main riff, catchy chorus. It's a pretty cool song. My number one, In Vain. It, that, to me, has got the catchiest chorus of any song that they have. So I like that song a lot. That's a pretty cool song. Oh, yeah. That was one of the first ones that, that caught my attention uh, when I first got the album. I, I Like I said, it's my favorite on that album. 
All right. So for my big four, we have some stuff in common. My first one is a little different than yours. It's from Exit Wounds with Cutting Teeth. I think this one grabbed my attention so much because I was really worried. I mean, I followed all the drama with the members of the band leaving, then, you know, them trying to find a, a, a replacement, etc. I followed all that through the from 2011 to 2014, I believe, when that, that album came out. Yeah. So it was... You know, being a fan, and even before 2011, because because Unseen was such a was a turnoff as a, as a fan. <laughs> I, you know, at that point, and and I had so many other bands that I kind of lost faith in that I I didn't want to lose faith in the Haunted. So when I when I heard Cutting Teeth, it just was like, wow, that's a kick in the face. That's that's awesome. And I in the in the. <laughs> the the rhythm of the the song is just so so intense i mean ola was talking about it and was saying you know that that's a really hard song to play uh because of the the tempo and the change in the the uh the structure of the song as it goes so i like i like that one a lot and it surprised me that i putting it on my big four but I, when i really thought about it i had to that's um cool. number three is in vain. I believe you said that was your number one. Yep. Man, it it is an awesome song. It's the most melodic song on that first album, and it will really catch you with the hook. Yes. Uh, number two is Hollow Ground off of Made Me Do It. This was definitely the song that really grabbed me off of that album. Like you said, Dark Intentions, it, it's a great start to it. But something about Hollow Ground, uh, it, it just—it's a little bit more experimental in the way the song is done. There's the backup vocals uh, that are not necessarily clean vocals, but they're kind of distorted. And I just—I really enjoy that track, and it's—it's uh, it's what really cemented. As I, I remember listening to the the whole album the first time, and I thought, man, this is a cool song. And uh, number one is. Uh, was also on your list with All Against All. Oh, uh, man, I thought you were going to go with 99. I love 99, and it's it's got to be pretty close to maybe number five. Uh, but, I mean, and I really love Abysmal, too. But All Against All, it kind of just has special meaning to me. I... I you know, I didn't have a, a, a violent relationship or anything like that, but that doesn't matter when when relationships can be mentally abusive. Of course. And so, yeah, like I think everybody's been through things like that, been through relationships that you try to hold on to and they don't work. And maybe that's not necessarily exactly what this song's about, but when it pertains to you and you can interpret it in your way that applies to you, I think songs can really have some deep meaning. And and this is definitely one of them. And for for such an amazing album, and I, I typically try when I do these lists, I typically try not to pick songs that are all you know all on the same album or anything like that. So maybe I pushed some of my other favorites down because I want the variety. But if I'm gonna pick one song off of of that album, which to me is again the the best haunted album, it's got to be All Against All. Fair enough. Sounds good. 
I like it. That's a, that that's a, a a big four that for me was was one of the most difficult ones that I could that I could that I had to come up with only because I'm not super familiar with these guys so these these songs are not deeply ingrained in my mind but I think for what it's worth I mean they they tend to be the the songs that are their most popular you know and I'm not trying to follow trends on it like that but there's a reason why oh yeah I mean it it makes sense and again music is is subjective and you can pull out what you what you like about certain songs but there there are songs that are just bound to be more successful than others because they just they can appeal to a larger audience and it i mean they're they're popular for a reason right exactly well cool all right so that's it for debating metal this week be sure to tune into episode 29 what we're going to do next week is we're going head to head with motorhead (laughs) so I think it's time to address Lemmy because, I mean, he may not be metal per se. He's always kind of called himself a rock band, but we all know Motorhead is metal. He is one of the most metal guys that ever lived. And we're going to talk about Overkill versus Ace of Spades. So we'll also have more Rusty Metal, and I'll have another online pick of the week for you. I'm Chris Kay, and on behalf of Kenneth Dean, remember, always turn it up to 11. See ya.
me.